0: but you also then have to implement these changes. Like you have to implement a a decision. You have to implement some faith. You have to implement taking a small action every single day, whether that was you reading that book for school for 15 seconds a day, you know? Whether that's a a gratitude practice, whether that's making sure that you jump on the Stairmaster every day, like whatever the hell it is, like you're not gonna decision and faith losing 15 pounds, or you know, getting the business, or playing in the event, or dancing with the stars. You've got to have a combo of the three.
1: How often does this happen to you? You're listening to a great speaker or a podcast, and the person talking is saying everything to get you fired up. You start to feel chills and get a rush of energy as you say to yourself, today's the day. Only for the podcast episode to end or keynote to finish in the fire you had and the motivation burns out with it. You start negative self-talk thinking you're lacking in certain areas of your life and you don't know where to start. First, shut down your self-doubt. Second, you got this. And third, you need to listen to my guest, Christina LaCure, ex-pro golfer and confidence coach. She's going to help you by keeping it simple so you can get started today. Christina and I talk about her career as a professional golfer and how she was able to make it to become a pro. We also discuss her time on the reality golf show, The Big Break, where she shares an incredible story about how they had originally typecast her, but she quickly flipped the script on them. And amongst other things, we dive into the secret to self-confidence, which is something simple yet remarkable. And I can't forget to mention my event go. We have a limited amount of tickets and I don't want you to miss out. I'm confident this will be a day that will light a fire for you to finish your year strong. Our event will be taking place in the Chicagoland area featuring Rich Roll, Jordan Burrow, Cedric King, and more. These speakers are top athletes, incredible humans, and have an amazing mindset and life story to share with you. You can find out more at anonymousthera.com forward slash go and use the discount code NAT2021 for 10% off. So get your ticket, get your shoes on, get outside, and listen to my conversation with Christina, and oh yeah, feel free to talk out loud along with us. Hey Christina, how are you today?
0: I'm good, how are you?
1: Good, good. Hey, when I was doing research for the show, there was something that we have in common that I have to bring up because I'm just so interested because my experience was so unique, and that is dancing with the stars tell me about that experience and uh, how that went for you
0: I love it. You know, there were so many things you could have said right there. I was so interested. I, know. <laughs> it was. I was like, "Oh, where is he going with this? What do we have in common?" Dancing with the Stars. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna say that that was gonna be it. But yeah, I did a local Dancing with the Stars uh, appearance actually last year during COVID. Uh, I signed up before COVID started, and then we actually turned it into a bit of a virtual experience instead of like there wasn't a massive crowd, um, but uh, we practiced and everything in person. It was a lot of fun. We did it for um, a local charity here in Arkansas. And uh, yeah, I I think I ended up finishing third, I think. Since everything was like not in person, I know I didn't win. Um, It was based upon the money raised and then the dancing as well. So uh, we raised a good amount of money. I think I raised close to $30,000 for my team. And then um, the dancing experience was a lot of fun. But yeah, where did you do yours?
1: I did mine in the Naperville area. And uh, I wanted to dig into the process of that. Did you practice a lot for it?
0: I practiced, we were only allowed to practice a certain amount of times. So we only had 10 sessions because every person was, um, only able to practice like the same amount. Like they didn't want someone practicing 50 times and one person practicing two.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I know you're real competitive and we'll dive, dive into that. But for mine, there wasn't rules around how much you could practice and they gave you 10 lessons and I took 80 eight zero. I Dude, took you must have been
0: amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I wasn't I, that good. I took ten.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not a good dancer at all, so I had to overcompensate by putting in the work. But I ended up winning it because I, I recreated the Dirty Dancing uh, Patrick Swayze scene, and I mixed in some swing dancing, and it was this, this whole routine. I'll, I'll have to send it to you, but it was like five minutes long, and it, I was the last one to, to go. I had the crowd involved at the end, but. It was one of those things where I'm like, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And uh, it was it was a ton of fun. I don't I still don't know how to dance, but uh, it was, uh, you know, it was something I could look back on and watch that video 10 years from now and and be proud of for sure.
0: That is so cool. Could you recreate that video from today?
1: Uh, Maybe some of it for sure. Uh, It was like three years ago, I want to say. But Yeah, it was it was cool. So so definitely when I see people that have done that, because the one the one thing and I mean, you you probably have more practice than I do in terms of uh, you playing golf. But when you're dancing in front of someone, especially a large crowd, like your body does weird things and you're not used to it because it's not like you just can control your voice or part of your body. I mean, your whole body's moving. So that was pretty interesting
0: yeah, the adrenaline is high. It's like the first tea vibes where you're just like the adrenaline is rushing. And I used to, you know, when I used to be on the first tee or whatever it was when in college, I was called the intimidator because I had like a ton, like I looked like I was ice cold on the outside. Like I was just like calm as a cucumber inside. I was like absolute mush. And like, by the time I hit the first drive, they knew I was mush. It would go far right or far left or whatever it is. But yeah, it's like, it's amazing when the adrenaline kicks in, you definitely, it's not like practicing for sure.
1: So it- I wanted to dive into a little bit of of the golf side and how that parallels into confidence, because one of the things that I realized I don't know why it it's taken me so long to realize the stress of just a golf swing or when you're playing golf. Um, I was watching the U.S. Open in my house a few weeks ago, and uh, you know it was down to a couple strokes as as it always is. When you are in that position and you are playing and you are literally like one stroke away from winning or losing, how do you cope with that? And and what have you learned over time that applies to like everyday life in terms of that confidence that you need internally to be able to make that under that stress?
0: Oh, I love it. We could go in so many different directions. So first of all, I was never um, in the US Open. So I have no <laughs> idea what that stress would be like.
1: Well, something similar. I know you no. you were in a, you were on a TV show though. So that, that had to be stressful. And I want totally. to dive into that in a little bit too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 110%. So I totally agree there. You know, I think one of the things that people don't mention quite often, and I think is really important is like being there. You know, like being there numerous times. I think that really helps. Like the more you can put yourself in a situation, um the more confident you become. You know, I always say well, confidence is built uh, oftentimes on doing hard things. The more hard things that you can do, the more confident you are that you will be able to do more hard things. So like even your dancing with a stars story. Like I mean you did that, that's nerve wracking, that's hard, you're a little bit scared. So the next time something is proposed to you, you have a better chance of handling the stress um, a little bit more. But you know, for me on the golf course, you know, nowadays, I play golf better now than I probably did when I was grinding it out practicing, you know, six hours a day or whatever it was. Because I, I do believe that, you know, there's not as much stress on it now, which is obviously a lot more a lot more helpful but I enjoy it a lot more and I think that that is if you can get your mindset into the frame of this is like a very enjoyable situation like if you're walking down the fairway and you have a chance to win the U.S. Open yes you're going to be nervous but also too I think it's really really important to remember that like chances are you've worked your whole entire life for this opportunity for this situation and like When you can come back to that and remember that like, whoa, like millions of millions of people would give anything to be in this position, it takes off a little bit of the stress and you just kind of go, holy cow, like how blessed am I to be in this situation that like... 90% of people will 90 99% of people will never experience in their life I think that like if you can get into that you know I, I believe that gratitude will change your life but if you can get in that gratitude mindset in that exact moment and train yourself to do it in those high pressure situations even like yourself at Dancing with the Stars, like, dude, like, that's so incredible that so many people would want that opportunity. So if you can get into the gratitude, it'll calm you down and make you realize that like, wow, I'm so blessed to be in this situation.
1: Yeah, I know that that makes it that makes a ton of sense. But I, I have to think about the other side of it. So there's, there's the one side where you're, you're practicing, like I had the luxury to practice as much as I, I could pack in a time frame to be able to compete in that dance competition. When you're golfing, you kind of have that, that same um, ability to practice a ton, right? And often it, often it's a combination of a lot of factors that, that are going to get you to the U.S. Open, talent being one of them, practice, work ethic, confidence. But you were featured and you were on this show called the Big Break Series, and you were faced with challenges Um, on that series, it was a reality TV show. And in those challenges, some of them you had never faced before. So when you're facing similar challenges in life, when you haven't had the luxury to practice what you were about to do, how do you kind of, um, gain confidence or or bring out the confidence in something that you haven't necessarily practiced cuz we're all faced with things on a day-to-day basis that that we need to execute on and maybe if there's a fun story around that too that that wasn't shown um because I I saw a f- a few clips that that I want to even dive a, a little bit deeper into, but I just wanted oh to God, you get your up thoughts the there.
0: <laughs> Jeez, Louise, look at you doing your homework. That's ye- ages ago, decades ago. I think it's it was pretty. My-
1: it's pretty. It's pretty good TV. It's oh, good.
0: it was horrible television. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, you know, I'll I will first thing I'll reference is that like I'm definitely not the same human that I was when I did that. You know. 2014 or 2000 pardon me 2007 was the first one my god that's like 14 years ago Uh, I'm definitely not the same human being that I was then and I probably if I put myself in those situations now I would definitely handle them completely different but going back to your initial question which was like how do you handle something that you've never been you know you know faced with before on big break you know like I had never my first season so I was on three reality shows for Golf Channel and you know I was never faced with any of those challenges before you know they're definitely like random golf challenges but I think again you're putting yourself in a situation where you may have not done that exact challenge before but you have done something else previous so I the first time that I came to big break I did the big break in Hawaii well I had just come off um going to to my very first LPGA tour school. So I went from one hard situation to the next hard situation. And so I think I did the first one, you know, like I was I went to the first situation. It was wasn't something that I, you know, had done before. I had just graduated college and I was actually one of the blessed people and to make it to final stage of LPGA in my very first try. I I think that actually part of that me getting that opportunity was, it was the fact that it was my first time getting that opportunity to ever go to key school. I think it was actually like a really good thing. The fact that like, I had never been before. So I actually had no expectations of what I should do. Like I played really well. Like I went in and I was like, well, I never expected to like actually get through to first stage, let alone second stage, let alone to final stage. Like I had zero expectations. So I think that's actually somewhat helpful. And even going into big break, uh, you know, I was how I actually got on that show is kind of hilarious. I started golf very late in life. Like I started actually like the first time I ever touched a club, I was like 18 years old. I went to college I was all American um turned professional right after going to college and so I didn't have like all of the bad thoughts and I didn't have all of the experience around knowing like what an actual big break experience was like my my college coach she's like oh you're in Arizona you should try out for the show on golf channel called big break and at the time it did probably done 14 or 15 seasons. And I was like, okay, cool. So I go and try out and, you know, hit a few shots, make a few comments, whatever, whatever, never thought anything of it. And sure enough, I get it. And so I do think that that was like a blessing too, the fact that I had no idea and I'd really never watched the show. And so I went when I went to Big Break, when I went to Hawaii right after tour school, you know, I went into it not really knowing what to expect, but knowing that like, I always have, and I don't know if every person is born this way, but i've always had a deep like belief inside myself way before i had you know the confidence that i have today is that i was always willing to try and i think that confidence is like a muscle right it, the more you use it the stronger it becomes but I've always had this, like, knowing deep inside myself that I was always willing to try something. I'm always willing to fail. I'm always willing to get my butt kicked. I don't know if we can cuss on this podcast or not, but I'm always willing to. Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. If you've done any homework on me, you know that I cussed. But um, but yeah, so, you know, I've always been willing to do that. And so I think for myself, just like willing to go to Hawaii and have no idea what I was up against or what it was actually going to look at. But I know for damn sure I was going to be like the person who would lose her arm before she lost, you know, like and I think that that's like the grittiness that I think some people have and some people don't. Um, you can perhaps have it in different ways. But for myself, it was like, I, w- I, w- I will go out in flames before I want to go out.
1: So on that show, and I know this this took place like over a decade ago, there was a period in there, a clip that I watched where... You um, told the girl a joke? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so really do you right want to set that air air up for a air second? Air you you got to set that up because I... I can see it because you're so competitive. It's it's obvious, right? And as a competitor, you want to win. And at that point, you had nothing to do except hope that someone else would miss the shot. Can you set that up for a second? Because then I have a follow up.
0: Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So, like, I again went into that television show I was so new in the golf industry no one knew who I was some of those every single one of the girls that I I think there was 12 of us every single one of those girls who had been in the golf scene for a while I was like the fresh out of college like never played junior golf never did nothing really and so I go there and you know on reality shows something that they don't tell you that every reality show does in my opinion and I believe this is true is that they have like a cast. So like in their brains, when they're casting, they're like, okay, I want the jock. I want the, you know, whatever. I want this person. Antagonist,
1: yeah. Yeah, the antagonist, antico- yeah. whatever
0: it is. They chose me as the dumb blonde. Like they even said <laughs> 100%, they're like, this chick is gonna be the ditzy blonde. They obviously did not do their freaking homework because that was 100% not me. And so like when that show kind of got started, they were like, "Oh damn, we're going to like use this because this girl's competitive as shit. She's going to rub these girls the wrong way." Like she is not the dumb blonde, and so they kind of like flip the script a little bit. And you know, it's definitely one hundred percent not scripted in any regard. They can't, but they put certain situations to right. cause certain drama. And I a hundred percent said that. Like I a hundred percent agree, and I do still believe to this day, if I was a dude, it would not have even got on camera. But the fact that I, you know, at the time looked the way that you look, and you um, are on an all-girl show. This This girl was, uh, you know, a hundred feet away from me, but we're obviously mic'd up. It's a reality show. And I had just hit a shot and I like under my breath. But again, I'm on camera. I'm like, man, I hope she chokes. And like, because I didn't want to go home, but they caught it on camera and then they started using it in every trailer. Right. And then they showed the clip that I said I wanted this girl to choke to all the other girls in In camp or whatever that night at the hotel, and so all of a sudden I'm just like this raging mean bitch, (laughs) but I'm truly not. I'm just like literally the most competitive person ever, and I'll be honest, I don't know however many other people would probably not go. Yeah, I really everyone would right now, like you know what I mean. But if I was a dude, it wouldn't have been shown. But it was obviously since I was a girl, and I said I wanted this girl to choke. It was on the trailer, and it was shown every single week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and, and of course, it's TV, and they have to find something like that to use. But it it actually, like, brings up my question, though, is, like, is there a fine line between being confident and then overconfident where you – Become or can be perceived as rude or pompous or something like that. How do you balance those two lines?
0: 100%. And I, I I love that you asked the question because do I believe Christina 14 years later would actually say that? Probably not because I understand now that like really it's just a game against myself. At the time I was so concerned about like the external validation. I was so concerned about like what people were gonna think if I got kicked off early and all of the things. I ended up like like beating the girl but like I now like and I now know that like I obviously don't want her to choke do I want to win of course I do but I love to be like the person who like stiffed it so close and like that's how I won so you know perspective and growth is everything you know I do think that like there is a difference between cockiness and confidence For sure, 110%. And I definitely do believe I am the type of person who rides the the line. I actually have, in my coaching business now, I actually have a client who has told me that before she hired me, she could not stand me. She's like, you rub me completely the wrong way. And I rub a lot of people the wrong way. I am the first person to say that I definitely have a tendency to rub people the wrong way. Once people get to know me, they truly actually probably love me, but... All that to be said is that I do believe that oftentimes if I rub someone wrong in uh, in some regard, most times it's because they want the confidence that I have. I don't believe I am cocky, but I am very confident in my confidence. And I think most people actually want that most people want to have the firm, unwavering belief, which I do have. And so I think it can come off and rub people the wrong way. But I think that like, I have, you know, strong, um, very strong beliefs on why i believe what i believe and i think oh that's actually appealing to a lot of people because i think most people waver and that to me creates um you know kind of like not as doubt. much confidence doubt yeah right, it yeah. a doubt in someone when a person is very strong in what they believe and how they believe it that creates confidence in another person
1: yeah no, then that That makes sense. So before we get into more with regards to what someone can do with confidence, I think people also are brought up on in different environments, and and they're naturally born with maybe confidence. I don't think everyone just learns it, right? I think you are you. There's there's your genes and there's your parents and there's everything that you've been taught and how you've been brought up as a kid to help your confidence. But before we get get into what people can do, how did you go from being a golf pro to becoming a confidence coach?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really great question. So it's, um, you know, very organic, to be honest with you. So most people looked at my golf career and my life, you know, I always kind of tell this quick story that you know i was 18 years old and two things happened to me one i got good at golf and two i got good looking in the exact same summer so i got like super i and people laugh but it's true and in that exact moment when i turned like 18 and had that external validation i it almost became a drug to me i was like damn this is awesome so how do i get more of this drug that's just like you're you're so great you're so pretty you're so successful you're so this like College scholarships, job opportunities, all the things. So, my thought process is I get better at golf and I get better looking. So, for me at the time, it was like, get skinnier. And so, for basically like a 10 year period, I was so driven by external motivation, external validation that I was like uh, in a very horrible place. I had an eating disorder. I hated myself. I did not like what I was doing because I was playing golf because I was told, oh, You play golf, you'll be happy. You'll play golf, your life will be amazing. You look a certain way, you're going to get X, Y, Z job, be hanging around with these people and make all this money. Well, when I was about 27 years old, I had kind of got to the place that enough is enough. And I was at kind of my rock bottom. And that's when I dove into self-development. That's when I dove into coaching, mastermind therapy, you know, hiring all the things and I listened to every podcast you know at the time there were more like YouTube videos I uh, read every book and I basically changed myself for probably about a three-year period I was just so involved with the mindset and the confidence and the self-development and people started coming to me and asking me like hold on how did you go from where you were to where you are now And that's really what I became so passionate about was helping people go from, you know, feeling without a purpose, feeling a lack of confidence, feeling, you know, like they don't really know what they want in their lives to living a life that they're absolutely obsessed with. And I will tell you now, I am more obsessed with my life now than I have ever been in my life. And it's because I have, taken the tools and the strategies that I help other people with to fully live in their purpose. And so how did my business actually come about It's because it was just, just a very organic experience. And I just understood that like the golf thing, even though it was a beautiful time in so many regards, it was definitely not in alignment with me. And being able to transition from where I was to where I am now has been one of the hardest, greatest gifts of my life.
1: Well, I'm I'm really happy for for the transition, and uh, you seem to be in a in a great place. And what's what's interesting is that you know, people don't often understand or see what's going inside or what's happening inside someone and the struggles that they're having. You know, they're seeing you you and your golf pro and you're good looking and you know, all of these good things, but internally you, you may be struggling with something. and I don't think that's that is dissimilar to a lot of people, whether. You, they could be successful in business then maybe they're going through, through depression I mean you see this happen with actors and musicians and all of this stuff but before we unpack even more of that you said you were diving into a bunch of books and, and podcasts was there any aha moments or books or podcasts that you found that really kind of got you thinking about this in a different way
0: yeah, I think one of the best books that I could probably recommend to someone um, if they deal with, like, you know, perhaps um, not feeling good enough. And I think a lot of people have that is the gifts of imperfection. It was one of like the great books in the beginning. And then for me, I found my faith. I kind of skipped over that. But for me, I kind of hit my rock bottom and I didn't come from a uh, any type of religious background whatsoever. But for me, when I was kind of at my lowest low, I was like, OK, deuces, I can't do this by myself. And that's really when I came into my faith of just like God, universe, source, whatever you whatever I needed. I didn't know what that that was at the time, I just needed something, you know, um, greater than myself. And so it was a combination of, you know, putting myself around really good humans, people, I was like, wait a minute, these people have like, sometimes less than me. And they're so fucking happy. Like, how did that like, how is that possible? Like, what, you know, like, what magic voodoo do y'all have? And so, you know. Um, being around certain people was really helpful for me investing in certain programs. Like I invested in masterminds, I hired coaches, um, you know, early on I went to seminars and all the things, but you know, the gift of imperfection, I think was a really good book. I became obsessed with like a Tony Robbins and a, a like I YouTubed every like Simon Sinek, every like a uh, Chris Harder, Lewis Howes, like back in the day, there was just like so many people that were like, had this growth mindset that, I was just watching and listening to their stuff and starting to, like, you know, go to their events and hire them and be around them. And then even personally, like, you, you know, oftentimes I when I help people, I say that there's a time in life where it's almost like a very lonely spot when you're changing your life because you have to, like, release, like, who you used to be and who mm-hmm. you're becoming. And in that middle ground – there's kind of like this lonely time because you can no longer surround yourself with the people that you're surrounding yourself with. And you haven't yet found the people that are going to be the best version for you. Um, So, you know, go to where those events are. Now we live in the age of social media, like follow all those people. That's super helpful. Like, you know, literally be a sponge I remember on the golf course one time and this was like before I even dove into self-development but I remember I was at this golf tournament and I had the privilege of walking around with you know um, a lot of great athletes and Paul Azinger said to me one time he said um, be a sponge be an absolute sponge, be around the people that you want to be around, be a sponge, take from them what you want and leave the rest. And I think even Arnold Palmer, I think he was maybe it was Jack, but one of those guys said, like, learn all of the best things from the best people, but leave all the things that they're not so good at. So just take all of like the best practices from the best people in the world. And I think that that's kind of what I was doing when I was, you know, listening to all the podcasts. some podcasts in the beginning, but mostly YouTube videos and like reading books. I probably have over a thousand books upstairs in my closet. Like I've actually showed that on my social media before Mm -hmm. because like in the beginning I just needed to consume every ounce and put in all of the things that were like I needed to hear and replace all of the bullshit (laughs) basically.
1: Yeah. Do you remember like back in the day when you were digging through that and you started implementing some of the things you learned, like any kind of pivotal moment when you're like, this is working or just learning something new and just feeling enlightened in a different way. Do do you recall that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know if there's any specific stories, but like even like kind of getting over my, that's a great question, by the way, I've never been asked that. Um, Even probably getting over my like eating disorder, like kind of getting to the place that like I knew I had to put in a different habit. So like what was I going to replace that habit with? And like what thoughts was I going to replace with the old habits. Like how do I stop myself from doing the same habit that I had done for so many years? How do you replace that with a new habit? And I think like when I kind of realize I'm like, oh, like this isn't like as controlling in my life anymore. And having better communication with my husband. You know, I've been with my husband for God, do the math. (laughs) It's 18 years. Um, even before we're married, obviously, but um you know, just the communication with him and like, understand, like, even those aha moments that I'll be like, Oh, my God, this used to be like an absolute train wreck. And look at us communicating, look at us, like, not making that like, you know, just little things like that, or like, you know, saying no to things that I used to probably say yes to, to do to, you know, feeling like I should, you know, one thing that I help clients with all the time is like, quit shooting on yourself, right? Like, sometimes you have to just like, be so selfish in the beginning of that journey because you're just trying to like change a lot of habits. So I think, you know, just like small little things like being like, damn, that train wreck didn't go as bad as the last train wreck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard that should, Uh, I think Tony Robbins, maybe I, I, I don't know who the first person was that said that, but I definitely heard that from Tony Robbins before don't should all over yourself.
0: Yeah, it's been said it's a, a thousand one. times. It's obviously not yeah.
1: my line, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's true,
0: off. though. It's so yeah. true. Do you know how many people live their lives, especially women, shitting on themselves all day long? Like, I should do this. I should do that. I should look this yeah. way. I should do this with the kids. It's like, no, 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 Like, when you shit on yourself all day, you feel like shit.
1: <laughs> so, so now you're, you're a confidence coach, mm-hmm. and you, you talk to clients on a daily basis, what do people get wrong aside from shooting on themselves? Is there there another like common theme?
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. Super interesting. So yeah, confidence and success coach. And I've worked with, you know, hundreds of people over the years now, and I'm feeling really blessed to be able to do that. But I think the common theme there is the fact that most people just need to keep doing things over and over again and believe that they have the purpose and that no one else has it figured out. And that like the number one way to have success is just knowing that like, if you do not quit, you will be successful and quit fucking worrying about what every other Tom, Dick and Harry have to say about it. Like the most successful people in the world are the people that like literally will never quit. My podcast is called Decide It's Your Turn, the Decide mm-hmm. It's Your Turn podcast. And one of the best interviews, he's a good friend of mine. It's the only podcast he's ever done. His name is Jamie Johnson. And if you listen to country music, he's got one. of the Oh, things. yeah. 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 So in color is like one of the number one songs of all time. He said something on my podcast that I think was just like, and my husband still quotes it to this day. And I make fun of him. It, today is actually his birthday, funny enough. But anyway, all that. Happy t- birthday. Yeah, exactly. Happy birthday. (laughs) Anyway, all that to be said is he said this quote, and I thought it was just super, super helpful. So like when he was in Nashville, and he was um, just trying to make it trying to make it trying to make it. He said, when quitting is not an option, everything else is. And I think that most people don't have that mentality. And I think the most successful people in the world have that mentality. Whether they understand that they have that mentality or not, like I know for a fact, like the sky is blue. I will never not figure it out. Like I have so much belief and confidence, whether it's in my business, my marriage, my relationships, my personal life, doesn't mean that I'm not fail, doesn't mean that I'm not taking some bumps, doesn't mean that. I'm not going to, you know, everyone's favorite word now, pivot. It's not, it doesn't mean those things, but I know for a fucking fact, there's no chance in hell I'm going to fail because I will not quit. And that like, to me, once you kind of like, and once I can help my clients understand that and like when they have that mentality, oh man, everything's gravy. We can always figure everything out because quitting is not an option.
1: Yeah. I think that's so true. And that's how I built and sold businesses is, uh, you know, my catalyst was becoming a father when I was 20 years old and getting a job. And I was like, OK, I, I, I cannot quit. So it forced me into this whole new realm of my life. And before that, I wasn't even thinking about those things. I was just some idiot kid. And then all of a sudden now I'm forced to take care of a child Like, okay, I'm going to make the best of this situation. And that's the other thing that I learned is whatever you're doing, try to be the best at it or try and get out of it in a way or grow out of it. Not necessarily like just get out of it, but grow out of it. So like in in my case, I was working on the assembly line for five years, building cars like a human robot, putting myself through school, graduating magna cum laude, because I read 15 seconds at a time for five years. (laughs) Like it took me that long to graduate school. and. And that was a stair step. That was a climb to the next level. And then that next level, I had to tackle a whole different set of obstacles. And, it, and it's just because I just didn't want to quit. And I, and I took the same principles. And I was like, hey, I'm going to sign up for this dance competition to go back to it. As silly as that is. And I'm like, I'm going to take the same principles. I know I'm not super talented. I can't figure things out fast. But I know I'm not going to be outworked. And I know that the only, only way for me to win this thing is for me to outwork my competitors. And I outworked most of them 10 X, you know what I mean? Cause everyone's taking 10 lessons. I'm taking 80. So it's, uh it's so yeah, I totally agree. Said,
0: it's so interesting that you said that because I have said a hundred times, the reason why I even played golf at the level that I did, which definitely wasn't the highest level in the world, but it was because I outworked everyone. I have zero talent, even in this business, like, I think I'm pretty successful in my business. I work harder than most people. I'm willing to, to go when everyone else is like stopping. I'm willing to double down. COVID, perfect example. COVID, my business like skyrocketed. Want to know why? Because I was doubling down when everyone else was watching Netflix.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And and it's so funny you say that. It's just, a, just another thing we have in common. So when I was starting my first business, which was a digital marketing agency, I was relearning to code and my wife would be next to me watching Bravo, Real Housewives, and I would be have headphones on and I was I was literally coding. So I was next to her and she's like, why are you always working? I'm like, this is what I do for fun. This is what you do for fun, right? But I'm not disjointed from her. Yes, we don't have the same thing in common. Of course, I learned a little bit about the housewives through osmosis, <laughs> but... but so that was a little plus, um, but at the same time, uh, you know, it got me through things. So when, when people also just not to get on a, on a tangent, multitasking too has a purpose at times. And, and the purpose is if you're doing something mundane or you can be doing something more productive, like doing dishes, as an example, put in your headphones, listen to something, right? If you are driving in a car, same thing, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not driving or you're not doing your household chores or your, your lists, like you can do two things at once. Now, that being said, when you're in a conversation with someone, you should be focused on that conversation and be present. So there's a time and a place, but I just wanted to throw, throw that tip out there. Cause I feel like multitasking, like it's this binary thing where it's like, you should not do that, but there's actually a place for it.
0: Yeah. I love it. I actually interviewed a guy named Jay Papison. He's the author of the one thing book. And, um, You know, I remember reading that book. So I'm a big Stairmaster person. I used to like literally like I changed my life on the Stairmaster for sure. But um, I used to like literally I was reading this book for like, you know, I obviously wanted to read the book before I interviewed him. So I was reading the one thing book on the Stairmaster, taking notes and listening at the same time. And I was like, oh, wow, this kind of goes against the whole entire friggin book. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I I read that book too. I had my team read it a few years ago, and you're you're exactly right. But it's again like what yeah, it what it's it fun. yeah exactly. Um, so walk me through the first thing that you do with a new client. Like, is there an analysis, a questionnaire? Like, how how do you get out of them? One, where th- where their struggles are, but secondly, what they can they can start doing? Because I'm assuming each person has their own um, levels or, you know, they're, they're at different periods in their life with, with regards to their confidence.
0: Yeah, for sure. So when someone books a discovery call with me, oftentimes they've kind of followed me for a while, or perhaps they just, you know, found me via Google, whatever it is. But I do have people, you know, answer a questionnaire. And I always want to know kind of like where they're at what they believe that their biggest weakness is and what they truly want. And I actually one question I always ask people um, in the quick questionnaire is um, how serious are you from a one to ten? Because I always want to know. And um, I I think that that is really important because I think most people when they set up to make a change in their life, I want most people say like ten. I want most people to say like I'm 11, really. Like I love the people who go like one to 10 and they put in 12. I'm like, yeah, you're my people because you've got, you know what I mean? Like because you've yeah. got to want it, right? Like you've got to, you've got to want it. But I think most people are at the point where they know that they want something, but they just don't know how to get over that, you know, business and mindset are so key. So like, yeah, I say confidence and success, but it really has to do with mindset. Like, I don't care. I have so many clients from so many diverse backgrounds. Not everyone is here for business, but out of the business people, I mean, I have people who make $30,000 a year and I have people who are executive B- VPs of billion dollar companies. Like, I have across the board men and women. But I think at this at the point in time where like business and mindset come together is because you know when you're trying to get to the next level like whether it's in your relationship whether it's in your business whatever it is it's like you're the number one determining factor is how fast are you going to get over the hurdle how fast are you going to get over that mindset block you know how fast are you going to go that like okay how do I find a way around this how do I make this not about me how do I you know how does how does I step into this with the confidence that like, no matter what, I'm not going to quit. And so I think most people come to me like with the the belief that they want something different, and they just are not confident enough in themselves that they are the person to do it. And once we kind of get past that you know, every single one of us are exactly the same. And that the people who have had the success are the people who are just like, figure out a way and don't worry about what other people say, and know and trust and trust and trust and trust that you 100% can do it. Like, I'm a big faith person. So I believe every single person was put on this planet with a purpose. And that purpose can be you know, to be a stay-at-home mom or to fly to the moon, whatever it is. But like stepping into your purpose, I believe is a responsibility. And I don't think enough people use that as like knowing that it's a responsibility. Like I think once you realize that like you have a purpose and that is your responsibility, then you gotta step up and freaking do it. Like treat it like a responsibility, not like well a maybe.
1: Yeah, no, that that makes sense. So so you've had clients for, I'm sure you've had some for a long period of time. What are some of the more advanced things? So someone gets the basics of confidence, um, they're feeling good, they're in the right mindset. What comes next after
0: that? Just keep taking the action, right? You know, one thing that you asked was like, what book and what podcasts and all the things. I think where a person really has a lot of growth is when a person goes from consuming to action.
1: Fist bump for that one. I talk about that. I talk about that a lot too. It's like you can get so overwhelmed with all the content, like even this podcast, even, you know what I mean? Like every episode I'm given actionable content after a while, like, you kind of know what to do. You need to start putting things into action, and that's going to take time and hard work. But, it, you know, it's not dissimilar to someone that is um, trying to – like, you can't read every fitness book in the world and, and be fed. You actually yeah, have to do the work. It's the same thing. It's the same thing.
0: Totally. So the three things that I say in my business are decision, faith, and action. You cannot make – in my personal opinion, obviously – Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. But decision, faith, and action. Those are the three things that will change your life. If you're missing one, it's going to be real hard to have the success. You have to make fast decisions. You have to decide. You have to go all in. Faith. You have to know it's happening for you. You have to know that there's a greater purpose. You have to know that it is for you. You have to know that, like, even the biggest roadblock ever is, like, the thing that you need in this point and when you believe that it makes things a lot easier and then action you can't just decide and have faith and sit on your ass you gotta take some action
1: and it's lonely too i mean there's 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 it's and it's supposed to be so like this i think the, the the issue now a little bit is social media gives instant gratification on things right and amen i do this too i'll post something like i did a big run and i posted it and it's like get a bunch of like, oh, that's awesome. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, yeah, that just kind of fuels you. It creates these endorphins to get you excited and you want more of that. So because of that instant gratification, now that gets applied to everyday life. And the reality is everyday life, there is not instant gratification.
0: Yeah, bingo. You listen to a podcast, you read a book, you and I, we're jamming. Someone's listening to this podcast right now and they're like, oh, my God. Be Christina and Joe. Like, they're so great, blah, blah, blah. Like, and they get so jammed up. And then they turn off the podcast and they stop doing the fucking thing. You and I, we're going to get off this podcast and we're going to do the thing. That's the reason why you have this success. You know, yeah. like, like, people, like, you You can't look at someone else's Instagram. You can't look at someone else's podcast. You can't read someone else's book. It There's a season for that. But you also then have to implement these changes like you have to implement a a decision you have to implement some faith you have to implement taking a small action every single day whether that was you reading that book for school for 15 seconds a day you know whether that's a a gratitude practice whether that's making sure that you jump on the stairmaster every day like whatever the hell it is like you're not going to decision and faith losing 15 pounds or you know getting the business or Playing in the event or Dancing with the Stars, you've got to have a combo of the three.
1: Yeah, no, that's right on. And another point I was going to bring up too, I don't know if if you've seen this, and I'm sure you've you were there was a pivotal moment in your mind when when this happened. But when I was starting the digital marketing company, this was 2010 ish. I what I noticed is there's a lot of like so-called experts, right? And then I would, in my mind, I was like, oh, how are these people experts? I would dig in a little bit more and I was like, wow, my background is actually deeper than these experts. So how are they an expert? And the reality is there's not this professional services delineation that you have today that someone's going to give you a PhD in confidence coaching, right? You And I think there's a there's a scared factor between someone who really has deep knowledge on something and them not having the confidence enough to call themselves an expert or to to at least feel like they have as much knowledge as the so-called experts. So I, I guess my point in that is do not let that be and uh, impede your, your growth because I can tell you that There's a lot of so-called experts out there and they're not experts and then there are experts and they're not better or worse than you. So it's a matter of like just you having the faith in yourself and don't let that word deter you at all. Let it actually prop you up.
0: I love that so much. I was actually having this exact conversation with one of my, I call them my old man money guys. So I play like golf like once a week with my old man money crew. They're all retired, but you know, we play for good money and all the things. And we were actually having a conversation and this gentleman is worth more money than you can possibly imagine. And I told him one day, I said, I think, and and this is the truth. And I, I want everyone to think about this. Think about some like person who's really successful and you've looked at them before and thought, God, I have got to be smarter than them. Like, there's no way that that dumbass is, like, more successful than I am. (laughs) This guy I'm referring to is definitely not a dumbass. But his confidence and his cockiness, even though it's probably got him in trouble numerous times, and I will say the same thing about myself, is oftentimes what creates the success. And there is dumbasses in the world out there that you know, like whoever's listening to this, there is someone doing something that you want to do that you're probably much better at, much better at but they have the confidence and taken the action to get where you want to be. And that's really the only thing that's stopping you. There is a ton of fucking social media people out there right now that like literally don't have a pot to piss in and like aren't making a dollar in their business, but but they act like they are. And then there's people like that you're like, oh my gosh, you actually do what? Like I actually had a a woman recently sign up for me and she's got like very few followers, but like little confidence, but she's extremely like seven figure business. And I'm like, oh my God, if you stepped into your confidence, we could get you to eight figure. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, yeah. don't think that someone is better than you. Like step into the confidence and know that like, that is the, the determining factor in my opinion. Like obviously do the research. You can't just like jump on the internet and be confident and not like, you know, have some backing, but step into your greatness and when you step into your greatness my god then you the sky's the limit
1: yeah i know that's that is so funny you said that because there are a ton of people and you're like how did how did that person make money like what and it's because they were oblivious they were oblivious to their faults and all of a sudden because they're oblivious they're confident and it's like be oblivious like like don't don't overthink it and a lot of times when we get into trouble, we overthink things, you know. And going back to the diet example, great great example, you know, that's a great analogy. It's like you can overthink every little ingredient, but the bottom line is like get 90, 90% of it, 80% of it right, and you're going to have a great outcome.
0: Mm-hmm. Love
1: it. So you recently posted something about Alice Cooper and something that you learned from him. Did on Facebook, I believe.
0: Oh my god, I haven't uh, used Facebook in fifteen years. So there, maybe you or it or, was
1: maybe it was Instagram. I'm not sure, but about uh, Alice
0: Cooper about uh, the golf. Shoes? A, a
1: life, a life lesson you learned from Alice Cooper.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, oh, the the situation happened like fifteen years ago. That's the reason why I'm like oh, okay. you a young player. Look at you okay. go all the way back. Uh, <laughs> but no, he. I think what I was referring to, I posted that a long time ago, but it was, I remember playing golf with him. He was one of, like, the kindest people ever, and um, after our round, he was, I was formally with Callaway years and years ago, and the Callaway rep, Alice Cooper, myself, and, like, a couple other guys were playing, and the Callaway rep said to him, he's like, Um, man, I just love your shoes. And they were like, expensive ass, like leather Italian shoes. And Alice Cooper literally took those shoes off his feet and gave them to the Callaway rep and said, "Oh, here, they're yours. And in that moment, I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, like, that is just like something I want to be remembered for in life. Like, I will never forget that situation. I just thought, how cool is that, that an extremely successful person like that was just like, here, here's my shoes, no big deal. After I turned professional, I was sponsored by Adidas. And I probably gave away 10 pairs of shoes easily to young girls who I said, you know, hey, I love your shoes. And to me, like I was getting them for free at the time, but I always gave those shoes away. And I always thought to myself, you know, I want to always be remembered as a person who used their success for a good reason and used their, you know, notoriety or whatever it is. And I still, to this day, think that that's one of the the greatest qualities. To me, it's just definitely like a love language when I see people being really good humans. And I am much less concerned about what you've done in life and much more concerned of who you are and like where your heart is, and I I don't know why I posted it that day, but um, yeah, it was such a cool experience. And he just like from that moment on, I was like, I'm gonna be that person. That's it was such badass.
1: That's a great story. I know we have to wrap up in a second because you have uh, you have a call. But how can people find out more about you, Christina?
0: Yeah, I'm, I hang out mostly on Instagram, definitely not on Facebook, but at BeChristina, B-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, because I encourage every single person to be themselves. And I think if every single person was more authentically themselves, um, more being instead of doing, the world would be a much better place. I used to call, um, my handle used to be golf Christina and a lot of my identity came from golfing. And now I'm still being Christina when I'm on the golf course, when I'm coach Christina, when I'm wife Christina, when I'm Christina sitting on my ass. And I think that, you know, a lot of my messages is, um, you know, being authentically yourself, because that's exactly when you're going to have the most success and the most confidence and the highest vibration. So, um, I'm be Christina on on social media, on all platforms. And, you know, my podcast, you can come find me there, the Decide It's Your Turn podcast for everyone who's ready to decide it's their turn.
1: And, and what about your website? Because you have a nice website. Well. I
0: do have a website, but you can't spell my last name. So it doesn't really <laughs> <laughs> it's Christina Liqueur. My name is Christina Liqueur, but my last name is spelled L-E-C-U-Y-E-R. But if you come find me either on social media or Google it. Golf Christina or Be Christina, it should pop up.
1: Awesome. Hey, it was truly a pleasure to talk with you today, Christina. I wish you the best of luck. You're you're crushing it. Hopefully, Thanks I'll see too. you on the golf course one of these uh, days. If you're ever out in Tahoe, let me know.
0: Yeah, Edgewood, I, Ben. One of my best scores in life is at Edgewood, 66.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm in I'm in the the North Lake, but um, would would love to to host you here. I'm. Actually, you can't see it right now, but I'm sitting on a golf course. So I actually um, saw
0: a golf cart drive by. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: the sun's, uh, but that, yeah, North Star Mountain's behind me, so the cool. sun's uh, shining on it. You can't see too much, but yeah, you're more than welcome, but uh, good luck with everything. Thank you so Thank much you. for the conversation. Keep crushing it. You as it. well.
0: Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it, Joe.
1: What an incredible conversation. Huge thanks to my guest, Christina Lecure. Her insights on confidence and taking your life to the next level are spot on. My biggest takeaway from today is something I believed my entire career. Don't look at what the person or company next to you is doing. Don't compare yourself to that social media influencer or anyone else for that matter. They aren't you. You are here for a purpose that is all your own. If you don't know what that is yet, that's okay. Keep doing the work to dig deep and find it. If you know what it is, great. Have the confidence to keep going. And remember, there's no one goal. There is no benchmark of success because... You, me, we are not almost there.